What up, what up? Coming with another podcast. Hopefully everybody's doing well. And like I said, today's podcast on Tuesday, we're going to go over a book called With uh, the Finding of the Third Eye. I'm sorry about that. I was thinking about another book. Um, but I want to go all the way through and read through the, um, the Finding of the Third Eye. Um, on today's episode, I'm going to go through the introduction and then read chapter one. Um, just to let you know, just to give you a little... Um, um, information about this book um, it was actually written if I'm not mistaken 1938 the first American edition came out 1970 so I mean the information on here um, it might be a little bit old but to tell you the truth all this information still counts in today's um, society um, it's going to be a great read um, I haven't read this book in a long, long time. Um, this right here just, you know, is it, going against modern science. Um, but what you got to understand reading this book, the a lot of the information are old time. So um, let's go ahead and enjoy this book. Um, it's called The Finding of the Third Eye. This particular series is going to be gonna be put out every Tuesdays every Tuesdays on my podcast is gonna be this book and hopefully um what I want to get is just every Tuesday by the time you know the year we read a couple of books together is it's this book you know is metaphysics it's just gonna be a great a great way to if you don't like reading um we can go ahead and and create some dialogue with this information uh, what you got to understand, though, you got to read this with an open mind. Um, and to tell you the truth, um, what I'm going to do is, um, it's you know, the finding of the third eye. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the back cover first. Um, During a successful career as a portrait painter, Vera, Vera Stanley Alder began to investigate the ancient wisdom and the exploration revolutionized her life i'm sorry she made it her task to simplify and summarize this knowledge in order to present it to others she started to lecture and write in 1938 demonstrating as one reviewer put it a rare gift for condensing and synthesizing the essentials of esoteric teachings vera stanley alder here offers us a guide to attainment through the path outlined by ancient wisdoms. She summarized our philo- uh, philosophical relationship to the past by comparing it with the discoveries of modern science and the surveys and techniques of working with breath, color, sounds, numbers, diet, and exercise. Finally, she, disguised, she discusses the functions of the third eye, astrology, meditation, and the ultimate aims. In the spring of 1984, Vera Stanley Alder died in her sleep while making plans to start a new lecture series in London. She is proof that with consciousness, we can all live fulfilling and productive lives. So my guess, this is, that's the back of the book. Um, now, let me read the introduction. Um, in this book, an effort will be made to sort out, summarize, and compare the ancient knowledge with modern science. Most of the statements made are capable of worldwide and extensive corroborations by trustworthy authorities and can be verified by any reader who would care to give the time to it. 
He can satisfy himself by as many proof as he has the patience and energy to seek and the intelligence to judge the, the sift. The quest after truth opens up an imagined and wonderful new world to the seeker so thrilling and so full of reward and interest and in that is not within the power of human speech to portray it. Only the fringe of this absorbing search has been touched to these few pages, but even so this book contains the recipe for turning an ordinary human being into a superman, one who commands the means of success, happiness, a personal fulfillment always within himself and in respective of all circumstances. So that's the introduction, now we're going to go to part one. Um, chapter one things as they are now before I go through chapter one just to let you know um, you gotta understand this book is written in older times so some of the words and some of the way she talks might not be what we're used to so some if, if you want to look up some of the information you can um, that's what I like to do myself It's something I can't understand I have to do my research on it but just to let you know some of the words and some of the way they talk is a little different than how we talk now so um let's go through it um things as they are chapter one from the finding of the third eye things as they are our first concern will be to take a survey of the present position with unprejudiced eyes the unprejudiced eyes is a is a much more difficult thing to cultivate than we may imagine in fact to most of us it is important it is an impossibility for generations, indeed for centuries. We have been brought up in certain grooves of thought, certain traditions and habits until our brains become wedged into a confined rut and are unable to look at these from an look at things from a new angle. When, however, after finishing our survey of the present position, we see around us the results of thinking in these grooves and realize to what a state of unhappiness, chaos, and muddle this has brought us, we may in sheer desperation make the effort needed to jerk our brains out of their ruts and guard them against our slippery, our slipping back again. Truth can only be understood by one in a state of intention. Therefore, truth is not available in those in a slack of condition of mind. They cannot take it in. Truth is only to be found at the bottom of a well. It must be struggled for and sought after and come upon through earnest effort, through the stimulation brought about by suffering or striving whereby the mind is prepared to recognize it. That is why truth appears always to be hidden, veiled, and guarded. Let us then try to look with new eyes at the struggle mass of inconsistencies which we are in habit of calling civilizations. Man has striven always for happiness and has sought to attain it mostly in one of, of three ways comfort entertainment and religion but he has sought these things only in the outward form comfort for the body has been the first aim while a comfortable state of mind has been the last thing considered until the lack of it is has has reduced the victim to despair Cleanliness has also been studied outwardly, but seldom in its inward form. We do not understand how to keep our minds wholly free from rubbish and poisoning material. Religion likewise has come to be mostly an external observance 
While as for entertainment, it is poured from outside the mind, being required to make no effort to obtain it. All the same, we are told that mind over matter constitutes our real power. Therein is one of the inconsistencies. Let us find some more. In some countries, the state supports a church which tells us thou shalt not kill, but it's not adverse to sending us out to war in order to slaughter our possibility blaming fellow men. For this we are called heroes, yet if we kill someone for a reason which seems good enough for us, we are no longer heroes and we are hanged. Many of us are asked to believe in church teachings and the Bible, both of them containing a mass of contradictions which no one attempts to explain. For example, Christ asked his disciples to carry on the work as he had done, saying, He that believeth in him the works that I do shall he... I do shall works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. These words refer to healing, prophesying, and clever audience, which, with the gift of tongues, power to be understood by all nationalities, the power to work miracles, to interpret dreams and symbols, and to have wisdom with the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost. Yet state which supports the church teachings may imprison one for prophesying, and the clergy who should be cultivating these gifts leave them mostly in the hands of those who they considered ignorant and superstitious. Calling ourselves civilized, we produce a race which cannot compare with many of the most savage tribes in health and physics. Look around at the members of an average crowd of today and compare them with the Greek ideal or the early Egyptians of Assyrian bodies. Throughout unbiased eyes, we shall see that we are mostly mishappened travesties of of a human being should be. We cannot deny the prevalence today of imperfect bodies unlovely vacant faces, ugly clothes, and primitive conversation. Surely a modern crowd appearance shrieks of its wrongness of the present mode of living. We know the hospitals are full, so are the asylums. Who dares to tell us how full? Consider who that we are at present to imminent danger of world war which would let loose as much beastliness and cruelty as has ever existed in history. But even without war, man is being murdered daily in various ways by terrible robots, which he has reared under the name of civilization. The robot is running amok. It has mastered its creator for the time being and produced a clever system of keeping him in slavery. Much that is really enlightened is knowledge is gradually being eliminated from man's education, which is given to him in odd spoonfuls, having no apparent relations to each other. Through no fault of his own, he is under economic system which caused him to spend all his days in the terror and anxiety of being without means of support. If he works at all, he must drudge the whole week through while many of his comrades are refused employment and he is obliged to pay for their support. There's overproduction and yet difficulties in obtaining cheap, cheap food. Even in some countries, the danger of starvation, honestly, and purity are preached to him from one side, while pornography and sensationalisms are shown upon him from the other. Every effort is made to soak him through and through with an interest in sex. 
by means of cinemas, theaters, books, newspapers, and through the type of food mostly cheaply obtained. He has never told the plain truth that that a preoccupation with sex is one of the greatest deterrents to brain development. He is surrounded with mind-destroying noise, rush, and anxiety anxiety until even the doctors are beginning to say that modern life will soon exterminate itself. As if this were not enough, he is furthermore at the mercy of the warlords who can send him out of murder and mangle his, his fellow man even if he has the kindest character and escaping the last horror he is daily he is daily slaughtered in his own streets by his brother Roadhogs, while they, in turn, pay millions into hospitals to put them t- together again. Life altogether seems to have been expressly planned to prevent him from creative thought. He has been, until quite recently, offered no problems to solve. His entertainment has been put before him in the form of pre-digested sen- sensationalism, mental baby food. Weary and half-drugged by this intensive, by this intensive treatment, man has largely ceased to recognize the heritage of his wonderful mind. He no longer knows why he should think or what there is to think about. Here then is pre- a pessimistic picture of life as it is as it is today. Are we be satisfied with the state of affairs? Is this indeed the whole picture, or is there a brighter side to it? Let us not forget the claim that man is marvelous creatures in spite of much that appears in this contrary. This claim seems to not be entirely without foundation. On the other hand, we find clues to strange, strange and tremendous forces hidden with us. Forces that when properly understood and developed could certainly lead us to imaginable power and achievement. We glimpse these powers in such people as the imaginative genius, the child prodigy, the thought reader, the healer, and this clairvoyant. We hear of them on every side and their existence is too well known to be disputed. There are many great men alive today whose achievements stand out in sharp con- contrast to the average. It is that they are supermen or that the rest of us are lagging for far behind the point of development we should have reached. If we were to lay an of them upon the dissecting table, we should certainly find nothing about them that differs in any degree from the average person. When there is the key to the wonderful power omnipotence that apparently may be every man's birthright, there is nothing to prove that we could not all attain complete mastery over our lives and fortunes and reach ideal happiness. We were given this key and had the will and determination to use it. Had we this secret, instead of being as we are slaves to life, to our possessions, to our environment, ill health, bad luck, and the rest, we could be masters and controllers of all circumstances. And we welcome with content and understanding everything that life brings to us. We are told that secret lies in the use and understanding of a certain knowledge through which is given an insight into the inner laws and forces of life and the manner in which we use them. The knowledge has always existed, but it remains hidden forever from all but the earnest seeker. For the last few hundred years, humanity has been passing through its sloth of disbound ignorance. The hour has already struck which marks the beginning of humanity emergency from the blankness men have suffered so much and for so long through ignorance that at last the inevitable the inevitable reaction has it has set in 
We can feel this change beginning to play in subtle ways through all phases of life. We have reached a time when we demand to know and to know for ourselves and through ourselves and to wield the knowledge irrespective of authority. We refuse to any longer dance the purpose to the drugging jazz tunes of incompetent authority and soon authority will have to pull itself together and follow the lead of the seekers. For there is widespread seeking going on everywhere. Now for the happiness, freedom, and power, we will instinctively feel we will be we will be ours when we have gained the requisite knowledge. And the knowledge is to be found hidden, waiting wonderful. Our first clue to this knowledge lies in the study of which known as the secret wisdom. The teaching was always in the charge in the early days of those who were well equipped both to govern and teach. But in time, they neglected their deep knowledge in favor of the easier way, powered through money, superstition, and material pomp. The result in laziness, the effete degeneration, their only hopes of retaining hold on the people was to plunge them into ignorance also. Therefore, a systematic persecution of certain knowledge began by edicts, inquisitions, and massacres. Finally, their end was so thoroughly attained that from the highest to the lowest, the wisdom had, had apparently faded out. Fortunately, however, there are now and always have been those who would give their lives to the guarding and the hiding of a treasure so precious. Such people were the alchemists, the hermits, the early Freemasons, and many more. So the knowledge was not really lost, but only concealed and safely guarded from desecration. Humanity is fast approaching the day when, through patience struggling, it will have earned the right to their wisdom. In fact, some years ago, it was given out in part of those earnest seekers in the vanguard of progress to discover, let us make all speed to gain for ourselves the rich heritage. Whether we approach the subject from a purely scientific viewpoint, from a common sense one, or from a religion religious one, we will find the science, logic, or the root form of any of the principal religions will lead us finally finally to identical truth. We will realize that if we are able to accept those truths, we will obtain a very satisfactory understanding of the workings of nature and of certain rules which will enable us to control ourselves and our circumstances in a manner H-I-T-H-E-R-T-O impossible. We cannot gain such valuable knowledge without making worthy effort, but if we perceive there is no limit to the benefits we shall obtain, the earliest results achieved will be firstly a considerable improvement in control of health and looks, a growing capacity for happiness, and an inability to work or fear, a gaining of popularity and freedom from boredom. In time, when greater strides are made, there will be immunity from diseases, conquering of fatigue, and prolonging of youth. There will be a growing capacity for helping others, a mastery of sorrow and pain, and the development of healing power. A growing inner force will be felt both of creating ideas and the carrying of them out. Neither does the tale end here. Very advanced students such as the yogis become unaffected by heat or cold wounds and poisons. They are able to perform feats usually considered as miracles and they appear to have access to regions of wisdom and felicity undreamt of by us. Felicity undreamt by of by us. People of this type move about amongst us unexpected. 
unsuspected. They do not advertise themselves. They are under a law which forbids them to help unless help is asked or to give out knowledge unless it's sought and will be properly understood. They are ready and waiting for the time when a growing number of people sense their secrets and beg their help. When the people public public have sufficiently advanced, they will insist on being governed by persons of such attainment and then indeed will begin the coming golden age meanwhile those who are anxious to forge ahead and prepare for the future will find in this book a broad survey of many sides of subjects together with the first simple rules for the beginning of attainment they are they are asked only to keep an open mind as they read for only an open mind is big enough to contain the secrets of the universe all right people that is it for chapter one as you can see, um, some of the words are kind of are kind of um, hard to read. It was olden time words that I never heard before. But the chapter one, what I got from it was the same thing that we go through now these days. Basically, as far as um, you know, different attitudes and different mentalities that we have, as far as you know, going to war. The difference between um, what you are if you do go to war, if you don't go to war, and how people will visualize you and see you as, even though they want you to be holy, if, and that's the religious aspect of it. There were so many key terms and so many key features that I caught from that book, from that chapter, I'm sorry, from that chapter, that I'll just have to go through it and read over it again. Um, and and write notes and there's so many notes that I wanted to write but since I'm reading it through the phone um, I'll just go you know listen to it again and just pick out different things that I thought was very important um, but like the last paragraph or the last sentence say you have to read books like this with an open mind if you don't believe it you don't believe it you don't have to go along with it but I believe in this world where you have to just choose different ways and different attitudes to to bring your life in so um can't wait to read the next chapter to you guys this is chapter one uh, the next chapter is going to be great also so next time just you know get your pens your papers write things down and let's get together and um get this finding of the third eye going one love and this is committed society podcast peace